0: I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to James um, chapter 1. This morning we continue in our ongoing series through the letter of James. And often what we've been doing, if you're newer to State College Assembly or if you're visiting, we really take a, a book in the Bible and we begin to progress through it verse by verse and find personal application in our lives. and. We're never really in a hurry because our, our focus our intent is to allow god's word to permeate our hearts to permeate our minds and our, and our thinking so that we can then take that and apply that and one of the things that we've talked about in the letter of james you know, is written to new testament believers and is written to give instruction on how to take what god says and what he what he desires for our lives and to put that into action in our lives now as you turn it to james 1 i want to back up and look at, at two verses that we looked at in detail last week and in a bigger context last week, but to slow down and to look at it. And I just ask you, and I think it's really safe to assume that most everyone here has found yourself at a place where you're mad at somebody or at something in probably the recent weeks, Uh, that you found yourself in a place where someone has frustrated you, a situation has ticked you off, has irritated you, and has just left you frustrated. Anybody been there? I'm raising my hand because I've been there. We uh, we took our children, our kids, to see a movie a few weeks ago, uh, and it was a much anticipated movie. There was a lot of hype around it, and we had been looking forward to going and seeing it. And we were sitting there, uh, and we were about maybe 20 minutes or so into the movie. As we're 20 minutes or so into the movie, someone opened the door from the lobby, stuck their head in, and shouted out the spoiler to the movie. And then that's exactly what I said, um, and and then laughed and went running to the lobby. Now I 'm sitting there and Teresa leans over and grabs my arm because she knows i 'm like oh i 'm frustrated I honestly, if I could be like just a little bit transparent, I wanted to go to the lobby, help individual find this individual and assist them in eating their popcorn I mean just like i <laughs> like what would what would possess you to make you want to do that um, but very frustrated very uh, very irritated at that individual, if I can say that, but I think we've all had times where those times where someone or something really just gets under your skin and just irritates you or frustrates you in one way or another. And when we have those times and, and it really anger rises up within us and we're angry about something, I think it's very tempting as a Christian to look at anger and to, to try to understand anger and even to look at anger and think about it as being a part of our fallen nature. Uh, but really, when it comes to anger, if you look at anger in Scripture, that it's not necessarily a part of our fallen nature because... There are times in Scripture where it talks about Jesus being angry and upset about something. There's times, specifically in the Old Testament, it gives a lot of picture of God being angry at things. But what we, we do need to understand is when it comes to anger and dealing with anger, it's not so much the anger that is an issue that, by way of where it comes from or its root, but it's rather what we allow to get us angry and how we choose to handle it how we choose to manifest it, and that, that really is the key part of what I look at and what I, what I want us to look at this morning. So with that in mind, turn with me to James, you're in James chapter 1, look at verses 19 and 20. If you have your, your digital copy on, of the Bible in front of you, we have live notes there as well that you can follow along. It says, "'My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness or the righteous life that God desires.'" But look at that verse 19 once again. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It says take note of this. In other words, he's not saying, List, don't listen for the person next to you. Don't listen. Don't take notes for the person who's not here. Don't go. And it's, it's finding personal application in our own lives right now is we're taking God's word. And so what I would take is encourage you and challenge you with that charge from James to look at in our own lives. What are the things as we're getting ready to talk about anger and how, our, how we manifest anger, how we deal with anger, what are the things in your own life that God wants to say to you about you and in dealing with your anger? One of the things we looked at when we, we talked about this passage last week and we talked about it in context with some of the other verses is that we take this passage to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, that we, we take that and we often immediately look at the relationships around us in light of this verse. If we, if we remember this verse and we put it into action in our lives, we listen, we read it and we read it in context of the relationships around us. But one of the things that I'd said last week by way of a reminder is that this passage, when we look at it, the first application we need to take is to, to take it and apply it into our relationship with God. That so often when things happen in life that it's very easy to complain at God or to complain, um, to complain to God about our situations. And we talked last week about being quick to listen, quick to listen to what God might be saying to us, quick to take what he speaks and to, to put it into action, to not let our feelings uh, dictate our lives. And we talked about those things. But it's recognizing that, yes, there is application of this verse in our relationship towards God, but it's also application in our relationship towards one another. Uh, when Jesus is questioned, by an individual who comes up to him and, and asks him, What is the greatest command? The individual asks Jesus in the Gospels, What is the, what is the greatest command? And, and Jesus, and really is a question intent on, on trapping Jesus. Jesus summarizes by this he says, he says, The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. He says, That's the greatest command. But then he said, the second, the, the second is just like it. He says, Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what Jesus says is he says, when it comes to God's word, because and then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. What he summarizes is all of the Old Testament. And so he says, he says, all of God's commands, all of God's word, you could summarize it by saying, How is your relationship with God? And how is your relationship with one another? And so when when it comes to understanding God's word and understanding the truth of his word and finding real application in our lives, not just head knowledge, because our intent is never just to grow in head knowledge. It's to grow in application, the truth of God's word and its application in our lives. Uh, that's what James is talking about. It's application of the truth that God reveals. That when we're studying God's word and we're reading it, to, we're reading it and, and opening our hearts and our minds, both in times like this, as well as if you're sitting at home on your sofa with a cup of coffee, that when, when you're having those times and your heart's being exposed to God's word, I believe the two things that we always need to look for is, number one, what does this say about my relationship with God? And then secondly is, what does this say about my relationship with others? How does it impact those two? And so we talked last week about our relationship with God. And this morning, I would like to talk with you for a few minutes about our relationship with one another, specifically when it comes to anger. So let's look at it one more time. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Many times I'll open up a number of different translations and I'll read a passage in a number of different translations and try to just dig in and look at the different uh, meanings. And I, I read this passage in the message uh, as I was looking at this, and I just want you to listen to this. Look in the message, James chapter one verse nineteen in the message. If you can switch to the next one, it says, post this at all intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let your anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. Can you go back to verse 19 one more time? It says, post this at all intersections. That means that every, every way you turn, everywhere you go, every intersection. And when I read it in that translation, where it says, post this at all intersections, dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let your anger straggle along in the rear. It says, post it at all intersections. That reminds me, that there is not an avenue or a place that you and I are gonna go in life that we're not gonna find the invitation to get angry at something. That we live in a culture that that really is dictated by rage and offense and finding something to be offended by. And so this says as a follower of Jesus that we are to really post it everywhere you turn to to really lead with your ears and to follow with your tongue and to be slow in getting angry, to really slow down that whole journey and, and listen. I've said before that many times we, we're at fault because when we're in a conversation or even during an argument, many times we listen for our turn to speak rather than listening for our turn, listening to understand. And this is saying just slow down. Just slow down and listen. It says post it at every intersection. And that would mean that there is not one relationship in your life that you can just tell that one person off. This would mean that there is not one social media outlet that you can go to and just vent yourself. That there's not one neighbor that you can stay bent at and frustrated at and angry at. That it says every single intersection, every single place you find yourself at as a follower of Jesus, that your life is to be lived differently. And that's one of the things God's word continually tells us and continually puts in front of us, is that as a follower of Jesus, we live our lives by a different culture, a different set of values, by a different mindset, that we're meant to live Differently in the New Testament, Paul writes. He says that he says that we're to be- behave like a believer at all costs. That we're to, to, to behave like a follower of Jesus. There were times in Scripture where individuals, uh, and you, you really can see this in Revelation, in the opening letter, chapters of Revelation, when Jesus is through the Apostle John is writing a letter some to some. Uh, churches and just the stuff of how they begin to settle into the culture and allow the culture to settle into them. But there's times when Paul is writing in some of his New Testament letters and, and he's addressing individuals who have forgotten that they live by a different value system, by the, that they live from a, really a different kingdom, to, that they live for a different king, not this, this culture in this world, but rather they live for Jesus. And it's found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Listen to how Paul addresses this. He says, he's talking about just a, a squabble and a quarrel and an argument that had broken out in church. And he says it this way 1 Corinthians uh, 3 3. He says, You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? He says, are, when, we, when we allow our natural selves to lead its natural way, what Paul says is that we're acting like mere humans. In other words, he's identifying there's a different level of expectation for a follower of Jesus in lifestyle, in thinking, in speech, in behavior, in everything. So there's a different lifestyle that we're called to live by. And so what I'd like to do is just to take a few minutes and point out from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, um, just to give you four things to consider when it comes to anger. Uh, just four things to put in front of you because in James it begins, he says, to... to to consider, to put these things into thought, to spend a, a deal of time talking about them, thinking about them. So four things to consider when it comes to anger and, and dealing with anger in your life. If you deal with anger in your life, which all of us do at some level in one way or another, whether you are quick and verbal and express it or you suppress it and push it down, all, everyone deals with anger in some way at something throughout their lives. So four things to consider in how to deal with your anger. The first one I would, just, I would challenge you in is to ask the Holy Spirit for help ask the Holy Spirit for help. Um, and, and I know there, I, and the story I've heard dozens of times over the years in church, and I remember here growing up, is that as kids in Sunday school, the easiest answer, if you don't know the answers, you always say Jesus, and, and that's the answer. And it can very, sound very easy when you hear me say, well, ask the Holy Spirit for help, to think, well, it's kind of like that same thing. Well, you just, you start there. But the truth is, as a follower of Jesus, that is where we start. We do start there. The greatest solution to any and every challenge you'll face in life, any and every addiction you'll face in life, any and every um, behavior that you need to address in life, your greatest solution will always be found in asking the Holy Spirit for help. Jesus saw the value of the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit is so valuable that he, he, he referenced it as like being his relationship with his disciples, that he said, it's better if I go, so the Holy Spirit comes and continues this work in you. So as a follower of Jesus today, our first step, our best step is always to ask the Holy Spirit uh, for help. I pointed this out last week when it comes to the letter of James, and the more I've read through it, and hopefully you're taking the letter of James and continuing to read over it a few different times as we progress through this letter over the summer months. But one of the things I pointed out when it comes to the letter of James is when you look through the letter of James, there's not, there's not once where the Holy Spirit's mentioned. The Holy Spirit's not mentioned uh, a reference at all, but, but everything that James is talking about is, is a lifestyle that's reflective of the Holy Spirit leading and shaping and guiding, of how the Holy Spirit's shaping our lives and revealing and, and working. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when you look in the New Testament, in the Old and New Testament, but when you look through there, you'll find that there's a lot of theology, there's a lot of, 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 of uh, things being given and helping us understand who He is and how he works and how he shapes our lives. Uh, I, I love in the Moving Forward class, just concluded a couple of weeks ago, I love that being able to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and highlighting more of who he is and what he does because he's, he's far more than just a goosebump feeling that happens in service or he's far more than, than these little um, areas that we define him to be in. But the Bible, when you look in the New Testament, specifically Old and New, but in the New Testament, it talks about the Holy Spirit as being the comforter, the one who comes alongside us. Uh, in at least three different times in the New Testament, he's talked about being as a deposit that's placed inside of us, a deposit guaranteeing more to come, meaning both for eternity as well as for this continuing life, as that God's continuing in His work in us. Um, several times he's talked about how He influences our life, how He desires to influence our thinking, how He desires to influence our living. That almost every time the Holy Spirit's mentioned in some way or another, He's He's influencing our our speech, not just not just in in speaking in a different tongue, but he's transforming how we talk about others, how we talk to others, that he's continually transforming us. In uh, in Isaiah 11, the Holy Spirit is talked about as being a spirit of wisdom, being a spirit of counsel, a spirit of insight, a spirit of power. So he's very much involved in the life of a follower of Jesus, that, that he's at work in our lives. And many times as a follower of Jesus, specifically being in the Assemblies of God church, the Pentecostal church, believing in the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, many times we can make the mistake of getting our theology all in order on the Holy Spirit, but we can still be completely wrong because we have, while we have our theology all in order, we never take that theology and put it into action. We never take it and allow it to begin to be lived out and shaping our lives. And one of the greatest ways that we can take that theology of who we say the Holy Spirit is and what we believe is asking him for help when we need it. A great mistake that, that the Galatian church made in, in uh, Paul's letter, and if you look in Galatians chapter 1, he talks about it, is he says that, that what you began in the Spirit, you, you continued in the flesh. In other words, just figuring out, I just got to figure this out on my own. There's things I got to sort out on my own, and then I'll, then I'll continue on in my walk with Christ. And the, really, the best thing that you and I can do is to understand is nowhere in the Christian faith is there, is there something that tells us that we go and we solve life on our own, and then we bring it to God. There's nowhere in Scripture that tells us that. But rather, it's this ongoing partnership of how the Holy Spirit wants to work in you, that he wants to continually work in your life, shape your life, transform your life. I've been um, just reading in my own uh, personal time. I just finished reading in 2 Corinthians, and it stood out to me just yesterday. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 13, verse 14. Listen to how how he says this. So Paul's concluding his letter to the Corinthian believers, and he says, and he has all of these final greetings, but his final words are, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. His final words to those believers in in writing is he says that may the the fellowship or the ongoing relationship of the Holy Spirit be with you. It's this very pointed, very clear evidence of his ongoing desire to work in our lives and to, to shape our lives. And it's a partnership with him in all things. When you study and look at the life of Jesus and his relationship with the disciples, not once is there a time, I'm sure Jesus got frustrated plenty of times, uh, I'm sure, because there's there life, and there was hu- they were human. And there's many times, I'm sure, Jesus was frustrated. We can see that in the Gospels, where he's trying to give them instruction. But I don't think that, I don't remember seeing anywhere in the Gospels where Jesus is, is just so frustrated with Peter, or so frustrated with John, or so frustrated with any of the other disciples, that he just looks at him and says, Peter, you just need to go sort this out on your own, and then come back to me, and then we'll talk. There's, he doesn't do that. Rather, he's constantly invested in the relationship, in guiding and pointing out what's wrong and pointing out what's done right and continuing to lead them in that. And that's what we see with the Holy Spirit. His desire is to continually shape and influence our life. And so I really believe that when he wants to shape and influence our life, that means that he wants to shape and influence our struggles. That means he wants to shape and influence um, your anger, your issue with anger, to be able to take what James is talking about, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, and putting it into application in our lives. So the first step... The the best step for anything in our lives is to ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask Him for help in that struggle. The second thing that I would encourage you with when it comes to taking what James is talking about, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, is the second thing would be to, to assess if your anger is justified or not. Many times I'll hear Christians talk about their anger being justified or a righteous anger, and you need to understand that just because you're a Christian and you're angry doesn't mean it's justified. You can be angry at the right things, but express it the wrong way, and you're still wrong. In the, the, we've already talked about the times in Scripture where it, talk, it, it describes God as being angry. It's times in the New Testament, Jesus is talked about as being angry. I think the most famous that we point to is when, an end of it, when uh, individuals are abusing the temple and misusing it. and It says Jesus is angry at how they're treating the temple and how they're behaving. But there's another time in Scripture where it describes Jesus as being angry, and it's found in Mark chapter 3. If you'll turn there with me, Mark chapter 3. Jesus is getting ready to heal an individual. Mark chapter 3, verse 4. says, Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to them, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Look at what Jesus is angry at. He's angry at their stubborn hearts. He's angry at their disbelief. He's angry at how, how what they profess to believe is not transforming their lives. What we consistently see in Scripture, all through the Scripture, is the times that when, when God the Father or God the Son is being described as being angry, it's always rooted in, um, it's angered at, at things that, that are wrong, things that are evil, things that are wicked, or sin, it's grieved over sin, and secondly, it's moved in love for those who are ensnared in it. That's it's always, it moves, it's grieved over sin, and moves in love for those who are ensnared in it. That's why you may remember a handful of weeks ago, probably back in, I think it was April, um, I guided you through, I gave some instruction on an event that happened in our community, and that was a Drag Queen Story Hour. You may remember that, encouraging a um, response to that, re- encouraging a Christian response to that. Um, that I, one of the things that I said is that if you're not regularly praying for these individuals and, and can love them with the love of Christ or see them with God's love, that, that really you don't have a place to be speaking out. Because many times when we speak out, while we can tell ourselves it's a justified anger, It's not aligning with how God's anger is demonstrated in Scripture. That it's grieved over the situation, but it moves in love for the individual that's ensnared with it. And so I just encourage you, the first thing is really to take time and look and ask, is, is your anger justified? Are the things that you're angry at justified? In our world, as I've already mentioned, we live in a world of, age, uh, of rage and, and, and really in a world of, of anger and looking for offense and being offended over something. You know, I'll be, um, I'll be in Walmart and I'll see the things people get offended over and I'm like, just wait 30 seconds and it'll change. I mean, it's, it's that, that quick that we'll allow ourselves to be upset or offended over something. Um, and we live in this age and one of the areas that I can, you can see it often is when you begin to look on the comment section of whether it be YouTube or other social outlets, Many times there's anger directed at Christians, but unfortunately, many times it's anger being directed from Christians. And often, that while I can't know the heart of the individual writing it, the tone of what's written, how it's written, will often reflect a lack of love and a genuine lack of care of, for the individual that they're, uh, that they're dealing with. And so I just encourage you, when it, when it comes to understanding if anger is justified or not, or anger is righteous... I think one of the first things for us when it comes to, as individuals, recognizing if anger is justified or not. I've already talked about being grieved over sin. I've talked about the importance of loving the individual that that you're angry at or the situation you're angry at. But I think it also includes an understanding to see our own propensity to drift and our temptation to drift into being angry for the wrong reasons. And it's just to recognize all of that, and that all fits in to all of it. I think someone who, uh, for me, in recent weeks has just shown... A great example of, of not only being um, frustrated or angry at the right thing, but expressing it in the right way has been my wife. There's been a couple of times over the past maybe six months or so where she's posted something on a social media outlet, and she's posted something that's praiseworthy, whether it be in our culture or an individual, and while she expresses it on her, her page, she'll have, she's had some family members and individuals, other states disconnected um, from us who will go on her, her page and will just rant and rave and... And um, just express their displeasure to her and the topics and the things that that she's posted on. And now it's very easy. The response is, and and for me, part of the reason why I don't have Facebook. It's just very easy to let your thumbs get at it and and to begin to express it. But instead she just paused and and we prayed together over it. And then as we prayed together over it, she, she was able to take it and with grace and love and truth speak to those individuals about what they did, and they agreed that they were wrong and, and addressed how they handled it. But in each one of those, I really believe that she was able to handle that and really to model it in the right way because she consistently prays for those individuals, and she consistently loves those individuals. And uh, I'm going to just assume that you're still here because there you are. Um, <laughs> it would have been funny. The lights come on. Half the people are out the doors. But it's a willingness to love individuals and to love them where they're at and to recognize that while they're ensnared in the sin, that doesn't change the fact that we still love individuals. And, and we do have to understand where does what the love of God looks like, especially in our culture that parades love, that parades tolerance, parades acceptance. How do we walk that, especially in a lot of the cultural and social issues that we face today, what does that look like? And I would just encourage you to take that and personalize it. What does that look like in your life? How do you express biblical truth, without compromising biblical truth of what God has grieved over, over sin in our world, sin in our own lives, but not at the same time compromising the love and the grace of who God is and being able to express those effectively. So second thing, again, encouraging you to assess if your anger is justified or not. Third thing I would encourage you when it comes to dealing with uh, anger and dealing with our own anger in our own lives is to recognize your natural drift towards anger recognize your natural drift towards anger i I mentioned earlier that it says to take note this doesn't mean i said not to take note for the person who's not here for the person uh, you want to show this to or or who you want to reference the podcast to but assess this is for you this is for me assess where our natural propensity and drift is towards anger you might be an incredibly quiet individual and rarely ever raise your voice but that doesn't change the fact that there's something that will at times boil the, your emotions and your anger inside. You might, might be another individual with a very short temper and a very fast, a very quick fuse on, on, on a situation. And while one might may express it verbally and, and publicly, the other might just hold it privately, either way, it's recognizing that there's a natural drift towards anger in our lives. Uh, I want to encourage you when you look in James, look back to James chapter 1 verses uh, 14 through 15. We looked at these passages, I want to say, uh, two, three weeks ago. We talked about our natural drift towards sin and the pull towards sin. But one of the things that's pointed out here, I think, really connects well to, our, to talking about anger. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. We talked about that 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 downward spiral of sin and temptation in our lives, and how, how there's an initially in the desire that there's an emotion, there's a feeling that's engaged, and then the next step, what it talks about is it moves to it moves to the decision, the decision to move forward in that desire, in those feelings, in that affection, whatever that is. And then the third one that we talked about is the manifestation of it. That's what James is talking about is that downward spiral of temptation and sin in our own lives. And you can take that and you can personalize that into each one of your lives and where you struggle and temptations is is the desire, the decision, and the action. And many times those have happened so fast in our minds, desire, decision, and action, that we no longer even recognize the decisions being made. We move from desire to action just so fast that we condition ourselves in that. And what James is talking about is this natural drift, this natural propensity for our human nature is to drift away. Romans 8 talks about that natural drift, to drift away, to drift away from God, not to drift towards God, but to drift away from God. And we can take that and we can look at that in light of human anger and look at your anger. The natural, the, that that emotion is engaged, a decision is made to act on it, and, and then the action comes. And many times it can happen so incredibly fast that we don't even stop and think about it. So one of the, I think, really believe one of the first steps in recognizing and dealing with anger is we ask the Holy Spirit for help. Then secondly is... Slow down and recognize your natural drift towards anger. Take time to look at, take note of the things that make you angry. Take note of the people that make you angry. Take note of the things that, not just sitting there and complaining to yourself about them, but what are the things that make you angry? What are the things that, that push your buttons right and assess those things? What, what can you do differently in those situations? But that's what he's talking about is, is taking time to look at that and to assess it and to find application in our own lives. Um, that we've conditioned ourselves so often for saying yes that we fail to miss the decision and the journey in it. And I want you to see, uh, if you turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we, I mentioned it earlier, that talks about this natural drift away from, from God and, and towards anger. But I want you to see something specific he highlights. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh, or those who live according to, uh, I think you could substitute flesh for self. You could probably, it would be, be safe to, you could substitute it for ego, you could substitute it for, for our own desires. is pointing out that when we live life focused on ourself, those who live according to themselves have their minds set on what the self desires, what the self-life desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That It talking, talks about this continual state of mind. And the continual state of mind is a, 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 is a mind that a series of continual decisions that have been made. That when we continually make decisions that are consistent with how the Holy Spirit wants to work, then we're going to see him at work in our lives. When we continually make decisions that are consistent with what we want, with what is right for our ego, with what feels good for ourself, then you're going you're to really see less of the Holy Spirit's influence. And you're going to see yourself more and more. And when you see yourself more and more, that's when you begin to see those things like having problems with anger, having struggles with lust. That's what, that's what self looks like when it comes out. Um, I, I've told people before, and I think I've probably said it here is that we can talk about the sinful nature. We can talk about the, the flesh. We can use all of those words that are used in Scripture. And, and if I were to tell you this morning and try to describe it, that many here would probably picture this incredibly hideous thing, this incredibly hideous beast. When we talk about the flesh, when we talk about the sinful nature, you'd picture this nasty thing that you wouldn't even want to sit next to. You wouldn't want them in the same room. You just picture this, this hideous thing. But the truth is, the sinful nature, the way it looks, the way it manifests, it's you wanting your own way. That's what it looks like. It's you wanting your own way. And when we don't get our way, own way, we get angry. When we don't get our own way, we get upset. And so that's why Paul is talking about, he says, take time to look at what is your mindset? What is your mindset on these things? Is it when you're going into situations that get you angry, is it looking at the wrong that needs to be set right? Is it looking at your rights that have been violated? What, what is your mindset going into this? Or is it going into it saying, how can I best honor the Holy Spirit who's alive in me? And how can I best honor Jesus who, who I've acknowledged to be my Lord in control. And it's two very different mindsets on how we live our lives. But it says take note of this. So I would encourage you in James where he says take note of this, take time to look back over the last maybe week and a half, two weeks, or even look forward and what your next couple of weeks ha- have in, in front of you, and examine what does that look like in your life. Examine your own natural drift and propensity towards anger. Uh, pull up your, your social media feeds where you've commented, what you've commented on. And see, what are those trigger points? What are those things that, that bring self out, that allow self to, to stand up quickly and to, to speak out? What, in the, what are the things with individuals? Take time to assess that. That's what James is saying is take note of this. He's saying take a long, slow look at these things in your life and find out what you need to do to fix them, which brings me to the, to the fourth and the final thing. I think to take what James says once again is to consider our personal approach that we need to put James 1, 19 and 20 into practice. Consider what you need to do personally to put this into practice. It says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to get angry, because a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Do you wanna have the righteous life that God desires for you? Do you wanna see his righteousness in your life? It says that, it says if we want his righteousness to grow in our lives, then it says that we have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now maturity and growth in your life and, and seeing God's righteous life growing in your life doesn't just happen by default. It doesn't just happen by being in here this morning. It doesn't just happen by singing the right songs. It doesn't just happen by default. And so he says to, to consider, what do you have to do to put those things into action? And that's my challenge to you. What do you need to do in your life to personalize this and to put it into action in your life? I really believe that the greatest transformation happens in our lives when we recognize how the Holy Spirit's working in the world around us and how the Holy Spirit's working in the world within us, and then we partner with what he's doing. We partner with how he's at work. And so take time to look at in your life, we've we've talked about the role of the Holy Spirit in this partnership, it's it's his leadership, uh, and, and, and our following his lead. Take time this morning to take time and look. What we're talking about is him highlighting things in your life that he wants to work on, things that he wants to challenge, things that he wants to fix, things that he wants to lead in. And so look for look for how he wants to lead. God's desire in your life, his desire in my life, his desire for all of our lives is that we continue to grow in holiness, we continue to grow in freedom, and we continue to grow uh, in who he is. And what James says later on, and, and we looked at it this last week, but it says that we have to make a choice with what we hear and what we read and what we understand from God's word. So we have a choice in front of us. It's to take what we hear and apply it. Or James says if we don't, if we don't apply it, it says we position our hearts for deception. So I would just ask you this morning from what we've talked about, a very simple approach to beginning to look at the issue of anger in our lives and how we can address it. What are the things in your life that, that the Holy Spirit wants to take the lead on? What are the things that you can take and apply into your own lives so that we can take God's word? and we cannot just listen but we can apply it and we can move forward and live our lives reflecting that our lives are centered around him and around who he is and around what he's doing